As 2020 draws to a close, the state of the country feels tenuous. The country has a big problem right now in the form of the coronavirus and the related economic damage. And Washington is going to have to take charge of pulling the country out of it. Whether or not Washington is able to pull the country out of the pandemic may hinge on the relationship of two men, President-elect Joe Biden and current Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. So much of what gets done in Washington over the next four years is going to depend upon that relationship. Our colleague Siobhan Hughes covers Congress, and she says the two men share at least one important trait. They have a kind of single shared commitment in terms of their negotiating style. What's striking is they both agree that negotiation shouldn't be a power play in which you leave the opposing party line bleeding on the floor, but instead should be infused with a sense of fair play. Everybody gets something, you negotiate in private, you fight over policy and not over personalities. And that's being tested by this very partisan moment that we're in. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Monday, December 7th. Coming up on the show, what Biden and McConnell's long history means for the country's political future. This episode is brought to you by Mercury. There's an art to making the complex feel simple. Everything should be in sync so that even the smallest part serves a bigger purpose. Simplicity can transform your business operations. That's why Mercury powers your financial workflows from the bank account, giving ambitious companies like yours the precision, control, and focus they need to perform at their best. Apply in minutes at mercury.com. Biden and McConnell are leaders of opposing parties, but they actually have a lot in common. They're the same age, 78, and they have similar backgrounds. Joe Biden is born into a family that has some financial setbacks early on. And he ends up having to move in with his maternal grandmother. And eventually his father regains his footing. Mitch McConnell starts in the Deep South in Alabama, moves to Louisville, Kentucky, right around the time he's starting high school. He starts out not so wealthy, and eventually his father works his way into a solid middle-class position. And so they have similar trajectories in that regard. So they came from similar financial situations. What else do they have in common? They both also have a particular type of physical disability. Mitch McConnell has polio as a kid, and he ends up having to go to a facility called Warm Springs, where he eventually learns to walk, but he doesn't learn to walk without braces until he's about four years old. And he has a very dedicated mother who every day is working him through these physical exercises so that he is able to, you know, eventually do what other boys do. And Joe Biden has a stutter that he works to overcome by reciting poetry to himself or 
reciting speeches at night. He has read about Demosthenes, the orator, and how Demosthenes improved his speech by putting rocks into his mouth to practice speaking. Did Joe Biden put rocks in his mouth? (laughs) There are stories about Joe Biden putting pebbles in his mouth and trying to speak with the pebbles in his mouth in order to be able to overcome that stutter. Wow. It sounds like you might break some teeth doing that. (laughs) (laughs) That that never occurred to me. (laughs) I guess that is possible. High school, though, is where their stories start to become different. Joe Biden was very popular. I mean, he's outgoing, he's gregarious. Mitch McConnell viewed himself as much more reserved. He isn't really one of the popular kids. He learns to stand up to bullies when his father forces him to fight the neighborhood bully. So you've got the northerner and the southerner. You've got the shy introvert and the gregarious, backslapping extrovert. Those are two really, really big differences between the two men. But both very, very ambitious. That ambition led them both to the Senate. Joe Biden got to the Senate first in 1973. McConnell followed more than a decade later in 1985. Most people take a number of preliminary steps before moving to the Senate, including going through the House first. Neither of these men did. They shot directly to the Senate. What was the Senate like during this era when they first got there? It was, first of all, primarily a place for men. There weren't really elected women senators to the same degree. And it was more gregarious. People would go out to dinner together. They would drink together. It happened more frequently with more participants. And what were Joe Biden and Mitch McConnell like during this time in the Senate? They were young. I mean, Joe Biden was elected to the Senate when he was 29 years old. He still has a record for being one of the youngest people ever elected to the Senate. Mitch McConnell you know, young too. And you can kind of see him in some of his floor speeches trying to puff off his credentials by talking about the experience he has had thanks to college papers he's written. So they have to strain for the sort of credibility that comes from long years of experience, but something they're both willing to do. Given that they're so different personality-wise, what did their relationship look like during their years in the Senate during that era? Were they friends? They weren't friends. It's not like the two of them have a big relationship. It's not like they would have socialized. It's not like they would have been at any of the caucus meetings together because they're obviously from different parties. Siobhan says a seminal moment between the two young senators came in 1987 when President Ronald Reagan nominated Robert Bork to the Supreme Court. Judge Bork is recognized as a premier constitutional authority. His outstanding intellect and unrivaled scholarly credentials are... Bork was a controversial figure, and his confirmation hearings became famous for their intensity. When Bork was acting U.S. Attorney General under President Richard Nixon, Bork carried out orders to fire the special prosecutor investigating the Watergate scandal. Bork also opposed the Civil Rights Act and made statements against abortions and contraceptives. The Democrats held confirmation hearings that were designed to highlight Robert Bork's ideology. Democrats feel that, you know, women are going to be unable to have abortions if Judge Bork ends up on the Supreme Court, that people of color, that African-Americans are basically going to experience intense segregation. 
all of that's going to be reversed because he's such a traditionalist. And leading the Democratic push against Bork's confirmation was Joe Biden. With all due respect, this is not about Judge Bork. It's about the Constitution. He was the chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee, and he also just announced that he planned to run for president the next year in 1988. Do I have certain inalienable rights merely because I exist? Or do I have those rights because my government has conferred them upon me? Judge Bork's view, forthrightly stated, is the latter. Mine is the former. Republicans said the confirmation hearings led by Biden were set up to slander Bork and broke from a more civil, traditional confirmation process. But it worked. The Senate voted down Bork's nomination for the Supreme Court. McConnell, who was a supporter of the Bork nomination, was disappointed in the result. Uh, Judge Bork, though controversial, was in my judgment one of the outstanding nominations of this century. He would have ranked... What Mitch McConnell took away from that encounter is that the world of politics is a changed world, and we're no longer in a world in which what matters is your qualifications, your credentials. What matters is your ideology, if you can pass an ideological test. And so Mitch McConnell decides, okay, if that's the way the game is going to be played, then that's the way I'm going to play it. What about Biden? What did he take away from all this? You see him beginning to grapple with a couple of new things. You see Joe Biden trying to strike a balance between having empathy and making one of the roughest political moves you can make in Washington, which is to reject a president's nominee. And so in his closing remarks, as Joe Biden is about to call the roll, that will result in the committee reporting Judge Bork out with an unfavorable recommendation to the Senate, you hear Joe Biden say, I feel sorry for Judge Bork at this moment. I must tell you honestly, I feel sorry for him sitting home at this moment, watching this nomination go down and feeling, because we've all been there at one point in our lives, the personal loss he must feel at this moment. I think that was a very, very painful moment for him to have to make someone's personality and their ideology come into play and to damage damage a nomination, a confirmation. But he was willing to do it. He's a party guy. He was willing to do it. After the break, how Biden and McConnell's relationship improved and what that could mean for Biden's administration. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, 
improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. After decades in the Senate, Joe Biden and Mitch McConnell both became leaders in their parties at roughly the same time. Biden as vice president under Barack Obama and McConnell as Senate minority leader. The big turning point in their relationship came in 2010. There's a reason the two men have to come together. And that is that the Bush tax cuts are due to expire in 2010. And the Bush era tax cuts expire at the end of this year. If Congress doesn't extend them, taxes will go up for everyone. In 2001 and 2003, when President Bush was in charge, they passed some tax cuts. The fight over extending the Bush era tax cuts began to play out on the House floor today. Democrats passed a continuation of cuts limited to the middle class. Nancy Pelosi is trying to push through a bill that Republicans simply won't accept. And there is nobody in there to forge a deal. Barack Obama hasn't served in the Senate for very long. And so he doesn't have the sorts of relationships that would enable him to break a logjam in the Senate. There is nobody. Nobody except Joe Biden. With President Obama's permission, he started back-channel negotiations with Mitch McConnell. There were only three weeks left to go until the tax cuts were due to expire. And... Time was of the essence. Joe Biden calls Mitch McConnell and says one thing. He says, look, here's how it's going to work. You don't question my politics and I won't question yours. If I tell you I can't do something, it means I can't do it. If you tell me there's something you can't do, I will believe you. And the two men decide they are going to operate on the basis of honesty and trust. And that proves crucial. Biden and McConnell reached this agreement to keep the Bush tax cuts in place for another two years. And there are some things that Democrats get in the equation, too. For example, unemployment insurance gets extended for a bit. So everybody gets something. It's that everybody gets something approach that allowed McConnell and Biden to work together— But it also angered other lawmakers, not only because of their willingness to compromise, but also their way of operating. The way this is done is really through a back channel. It's to the point that Biden meets with a group of Democrats, House Democrats, the day before he announces this deal with McConnell. Biden doesn't tell them that he has reached this deal to extend the tax cuts for two years. It's totally private. And this leaves Democrats feeling completely blindsided. They are furious with him privately. Why do you think McConnell was willing to work with Biden but not other Democrats? McConnell liked Biden, I think. I think that Biden did not talk down to Mitch McConnell. Joe Biden took McConnell where he was. Joe Biden didn't try to change who McConnell was. He accepted him at face value. And McConnell, in a speech, said that he recognized that and appreciated it. Their relationship only grew from there. A year later, McConnell invited Biden to speak at the University of Louisville, his alma mater. I was told, I don't know whether it's true, that this was one of the larger gatherings uh, at the center here. I don't know if that's true, but I know if it is true, the reason why 
you want to see whether or not a Republican and Democrat really like one another. <laughs> well, I'm here to tell you we do. I'm here to tell you we do. Never have we said something to one another that we haven't kept our word. As bitter as our disagreements may be. When McConnell spoke, he had nothing but praise for Biden. On most days in the Senate, the two of us wouldn't agree on as much as the weather. But from my earliest days in the Senate, I always remember being impressed by the junior senator from Delaware. I'm happy to say our working relationship is still strong, as evidenced most recently by our work together on a bipartisan tax bill that preserved lower income tax rates for everyone who pays taxes. Starting in January, McConnell and Biden will be working together again. And Biden has a long agenda that he'll need congressional support for. Do you think Biden will do the negotiating this time? That's a big question to me. And if Biden does do the negotiation, I'm not certain we're actually going to know about it because both men value confidentiality so much. But there are some early signs he is going to be involved Do presidents normally negotiate with the Senate? It would depend on the president. And certainly Barack Obama did not. He was perceived as much more of a remote figure. And Donald Trump is a figure who tended to promise one thing personally to Republicans and then do another thing on Twitter. And so for Joe Biden to be involved would be something we certainly have not seen in recent years and more than a decade. But it's not that it's unprecedented. It's just that it's not part of our recent history. Even if Biden and McConnell decide to work together, it doesn't mean their agenda will get through Congress. Both face major challenges within their own parties. I do not think you can overstate the pressure that Biden and McConnell will be under. Joe Biden has a very, very powerful progressive wing that he's going to have to manage. And so he's going to be under pressure to give his left wing something. Mitch McConnell is going to be under pressure because it's clear that Donald Trump is not going away after this election. Donald Trump likes to take to Twitter. Donald Trump can move his base. So McConnell's going to have that pressure. Overlaid on that is the pressure from the fiscal conservative wing of the party, who has watched the country's debt and deficit surge during the coronavirus pandemic. And he is going to be under pressure to manage the budget and manage the dollars. What do you think they want their legacies to be? For Mitch McConnell, it's clear that he wants his legacy to be a conservative judiciary. And to that degree, he has largely succeeded. And Mitch McConnell has groomed a whole new generation of very, very young conservatives to ascend to higher roles. And so he's trying to put his imprint on the future in a number of ways. For Joe Biden, I think it's a lot about his personality. He's tried to cast himself as someone who's a fighter for the middle class, for lower class people, for disadvantaged people, and also to restore decency and kindness. I think that's what he sees as his legacy right now. So how do those two ambitions, how do you think they'll clash? I think they're going to clash, I mean, almost right off of the bat. I mean, especially when it comes to a coronavirus aid package, because if you're someone who believes in the 
conservative notion of pull yourself up by your bootstraps, don't depend on the government. Like Mitch McConnell, you don't want a big economic relief package that will drive up the deficits. If you're someone like Joe Biden, who believes in lending a helping hand when somebody is in need, you view this as America's moment of need. And you see this as being a time when the government should step up. We've been living in this era of scorched earth politics now for several years. Do you think the fact that McConnell and Biden have this relationship that they've forged over the last decade, is that going to help? I think the fact that Biden and McConnell have this relationship that they've forged for decades and decades is absolutely going to help. It gives the country a way to hold together. The two men realize that when the stakes are high, they can work together. And that forges a true bond. That's all for today, Monday, December 7th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Additional reporting in this episode by Ken Thomas. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.